Did you know that the license for the Pulse Club expired in 2013? That its legal occupancy was only 150? That if 50 had been killed and 53 wounded, there should have been abandoned cars all over the place? Did you know that the Dallas photograph of a series of officers behind a large wall was photoshopped? That they had to increase the size of the wall to fit the officers in? That they had orange blank adapters on their weapons? Did you know that Hillary has used body doubles? One following her collapse at the 9-11 event was two inches shorter, weighed 35 to 40 pounds less, and looked at least 10 years younger? A Meg Ryan type. A second on the plane to Greensboro was taller and slimmer and looked more like Meryl Streep. We approve it all. Don't let yourself be played. Check out From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond. Hi, this is Gary King. If you're interested in the book From Orlando to Dallas and Beyond, then all of my contact information is at PatriotRadioBooks.com. There's a new bookstore in town. PatriotRadioBooks.com. This is uh, Jim Fetzer, the conspiracy guy. A new book by Amy Parnes and Jonathan Allen uh, entitled Shattered Inside Hillary Clinton's Doom Campaign offers revelations about why her effort to become the first woman president was unsuccessful. It it includes a number of claims, reports. Hillary apologized to Obama after conceding to Trump. Shortly after calling Donald Trump to concede defeat, Hillary called Barack Obama and said simply, Mr. President, I'm sorry. She felt she had let herself, Obama, and the Democratic Party down. Obama's legacy and her dreams of the presidency lay shattered at Donald Trump's feet. This was on her. That Obama privately criticized Hillary's use of a private email server, despite refusing to condemn her use for classified material on the campaign trail, he reportedly believed it amounted to political malpractice. She herself admitted to an aide that she engenders bad reactions from people, uh, uh, the book reports her, Hillary admitted her personality didn't appeal to many ordinary voters. Uh, her campaign was badly organized. It lacked focus, had power decentralized, made it difficult to focus on particular issues. Hillary's uh, distributed power so broadly that none of her aides or advisors had control of the whole apparatus, the book reports. Uh, during an interview... Uh, on uh, television with the authors, they observed, for example, that her opening statement announcing her campaign for the presidency was vetted by 20 different sources. That's, of course, rather preposterous. I mean, it's going to lead to chaos, a lack of focus, uh, going in many different directions. In addition, Huma Abedin sheltered Hillary from criticism. The book alleges that Vice Campaign Chair Huma Abedin would rarely criticize Hillary and couldn't be counted on to relay constructive criticism to her without pointing a finger at the critic. That Hillary was dumbfounded by the 2016 election's populist upswing and her lack of white working-class support, confounded by the success of her Democratic primary challenger, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Hillary reportedly told her longtime confidant, Minion Moore, during the Democratic primaries, I do not understand what is happening in our country. She also questioned her staff on uh, 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 to attract support, uh, how to attract support from the white working class. Why aren't they with me, she said. Why can't we bring them on board? 
And of course, we know that Michael Moore, who was a you know stunning uh, apologist uh, for the, the Democrats, uh, actually predicted that she would lose because she was neglecting the working class voters in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Ma uh, Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin, which is exact, exactly how it played out. And that Obama reportedly urged a reluctant Hillary to concede as Trump piled up wins in key battleground states. Hillary reportedly remained reluctant to concede the election. The book claims uh, Obama urged Hillary to declare defeat, not to drag it out. He allegedly reiterated this position to Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta, adding the importance of Hillary conceding with dignity. Well, there's much more to it, of course, including the fact that WikiLeaks revelations demonstrate the DNC was attempting to was sabotaging the Bernie Sanders campaign by some counts costing him a victory in as many as 13 of the primary states, which was, of course, a complete disgrace, not to mention pay-for-play and all the other activities in which he was engaged that displayed corruption, making her, in my opinion, the single most corrupt candidate to ever run for the presidency of the United States. Very interesting report out now that was uh, republished on Drudge, Honeymoon from Hell, the Liberal Media versus President Trump. As President Trump approaches the end of his first 100 days in office, he's received by far the most hostile press treatment of any incoming American president, with the broadcast networks punishing him with coverage that has been 89% negative. The networks largely ignored important national priorities such as jobs and the fight against ISIS in favor of a news agenda that's been dominated by anti-Trump controversies and that closely matches what would be expected from an opposition party. I say, that's exactly right. And now we have this rather stunning reversal, as Wayne Madsen has reported, where I take exception to Wayne on many domestic issues. He doesn't understand Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, Orlando, or others. But some of his critiques of, uh, of other issues are simply insightful and important. Here's one. Trump transformed overnight into a neocon idol. Donald Trump is no longer anathema to the corporate media or the neoconservative policy establishment almost overnight. Trump and his core group of globalist advisors, daughter Ivanka Trump, son-in-law Gerald Kushner, economic advisor Gary Cohn, have succeeded in ensuring that corporate polling operations are reporting on Trump's increasing popularity in opinion polls. Trump's cruise missile attack on a joint Syrian-Russian airbase after he was lulled into believing dodgy video and photographic footage of Syrian President Bashir al-Assad's alleged culpability in launching a sarin gas attack on villagers in jihadist rebel-held territory has earned him the support of the editorial pages of major newspapers. The fact that Trump took advice on bombing an Arab country from his Orthodox Jewish convert daughter will have repercussions in the Middle East and beyond that the simple-minded Trump could never have envisaged. The word is spreading in the Arab and Muslim worlds that the real power within the Trump White House lies with the Sahindran, uh, composed of a pro-Israeli and pro-Wahhabist cabal of Trump family members and close friends like Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, personal lawyer Michael Cohen. So much distrust for a U.S. presidency by Arabs and Muslims has not been caused 
Since the Bill Clinton administration, when the NBC triumvirate of Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, National Security Advisor Sandy Berger, and Defense Secretary William Cohen called the shots internationally. That's all very important stuff, but it appears that, in fact, uh, Ivanka is not actually a convert, that her mother was Jewish, which makes her Jewish. And indeed, genealogical studies suggest the whole Trump lineage happens to be Jewish as well. We have, of course, the distracting incident of North Korea, where the U.S. may have sabotaged North Korea's failed missile uh, test. This would not surprise me at all. Uh, because we have uh, lasers uh, mounted, uh, satellite mounted laser capabilities that could do precisely that. Uh, it, it, it looks as though uh, motivation may include that North Korea does not recognize Israel and has condemned its treatment of the displaced Palestinians. More importantly, North Korea sells its advanced missile technology to the Middle East nations on Israel's hit list. This is uh, not to glorify the North Korean regime, but to expose the sinister hand of Israel behind America's potential coming conflict with North Korea and China. The North Korean, uh, CNN has reported the North Korean envoy at the UN warns of nuclear war possibility. Uh, only at a North Korean press conference at the United Nations can you hear a diplomat say he hoped... Uh, journalists had a good holiday weekend and then warned a possible nuclear therm- thermonuclear war. North Korea has continually issued threats of war toward the United States in recent decades, but the Trump administration's announced end of a strategic patience policy with Pyongyang has upped the ante uh, in terms of warnings and bellicose rhetoric. North Korea's UN Deputy Representative Kim in Rayong on Monday unleashed at a hastily called UN press conference a torrent of threats, war scenario, and rhetoric aimed at the United States. Even the uh, New York Times has described uh, what's taking place here as a Cuban missile crisis in slow motion in North Korea. Washington, all the elements of the North Korean nuclear crisis, a relentless drive by Kim Jong-un to assemble an arsenal, the propaganda and deception Deception swirling around his progress, the hints of covert war by the United States undermine the efforts rather than be forced upon into open confrontation were on vivid display this week. There was a, uh, uh, there was a parade in Pyongyang's main square with wave after wave of missiles atop mobile launchers intended to convey a sense that Mr. Kim's program is unstoppable. Then came another embarrassing setback, a missile test that failed seconds after liftoff, the same pattern seen in a surprising number of launches since President Barack Obama ordered stepped-up cyber and electronic warfare attacks in early 2014. Finally, there was a test that did not happen, at least yet, a sixth nuclear explosion. It's primed and ready to go, satellite images show. But Russian TV has, I think, hit, hit the mark here. Reporting Trump is more dangerous than Kim Jong-un. Russia warns the U.S. not to use force unilaterally in the dispute. Kremlin disillusionment with Trump grows after Syrian strike. Russian state television has no doubt who is unpredictable enough to bring the world to war in the North Korean crisis, and it's not the reclusive communist dictator Kim Jong-un. According to Mikri Kisilov, the Kremlin's top TV commentator, the riskiest is Donald Trump. 
The man Russian officials and propagandists hailed a few weeks ago as the kind of leader the world needs. In the latest sign of the Kremlin's abrupt about-face on its erstwhile American hero, Kisilov pronounced Trump, quote, more dangerous than his North Korean counterpart. Quote, Trump is more impulsive and unpredictable than Kim Jong-un, he told viewers of his primetime Sunday broadcast. No doubt about it. The problem, of course, is that uh, in the case of the Cuban Missile Crisis, we had men of the superior intellect and education background and depth as John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and Robert McNamara. In the case of this confrontation with North Korea, we have three parties that are of a very different caliber, H.R. McMaster, Donald Trump, and, uh, and Mad Dog Mattis, who, I'm sorry to say, compare grossly unfavorably with the situation we were in in the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we narrowly overted uh, nuclear war with the then Soviet Union. One interesting aside, however, is that while Trump claimed that there was a massive flotilla headed to North Korea, including the USS Vincent, it turns out that it was actually headed toward Australia for war games. That's a peculiarity. I don't think Trump can pull bluffs like that and remain a serious, regarded as a serious person, but then he's already uh, uh, discredited himself with the U.S. cruise missile attack on Syria and its consequences. The Saker is one of the best, broadest, most intelligent, deepest commentators on this event with an extensive experience in military and intelligence analysis. Uh, I read from part of his uh, report about this. I don't think that anybody seriously believes that Assad or anybody else in the Syrian government really ordered a chemical weapons attack on anybody. To believe that, it would require you to find the following sequence logical first. Assad pretty much wins the war against Daesh, which of course is another term for ISIS, which is in full retreat. Then the U.S. declares that overthrowing Assad is not a priority anymore. Up to here, this is all factual and true. Then, Assad decides to use weapons he does not have. He decides to bomb a location with no military value, but with lots of kids and cameras. Then when the Russians demand a full investigation, the Americans strike as fast as they can before this idea gets any support. And now the Russians are probing a possible Russian role in this so-called attack. Frankly, if you believe any of that, you should immediately stop reading and go back to watching television. Uh, For us, there are three options. One, a classic U.S. executed false flag. Two, a Syrian strike on a location that happened to be storing some kind of gas, possibly chlorine, but most definitely not sarin. This option requires you to believe in coincidences. I don't unless three, the U.S. fed bad intelligence to the Syrians, got them to bomb a location where the U.S. knew that toxic gas was stored, or I would add four, that uh, between the time that the Russians notified the U.S. Uh, that the attack was going to take place, a substitution was made of the contents uh, of the depot from regular munitions to chemical. The Saker continues, What is evident is that the Syrians did not drop chemical weapons from their aircraft and that no chemical gas was ever stored at the Al-Sharat Air Base. There's no footage showing any munitions or containers which would have delivered this toxic gas. As for U.S. and other radar recordings, all they can show is that an aircraft was in the sky, its heading, altitude, and speed. 
There is no way to distinguish a chemical munition or a chemical attack by means of radar. In particular, I would observe uh, how uh, they're ignoring the distinction between dropping a conventional bomb on a, a chemical supply and dropping a chemical munition itself. Whatever option you choose, the Syrian government is obviously and self-evidently innocent of the accusation of having used chemical weapons. This is most likely a false flag attack. And just for the record, the U.S. has been conducting such false flag attacks in the past, uh, as I have previously reported. Political consequences external. Trump has single-handedly destroyed any hope of U.S. collaboration with Russia of any kind. Worse, he has also destroyed any hope of being able to defeat Daesh. Why? Because if you believe that Daesh can be defeated without Russian and Iranian support, I want to sell you bridges all over the world. It ain't happening. What is much, much worse is that we are now again on a pre-war situation, just as we were with Obama and would have been with Hillary. Let me explain. The following are the measures that Russia has taken following the U.S. attack on Syria. Denunciation at UN, to be expected, no big deal. Decision to strengthen Syrian air defenses, big deal. That will give the Syrians a means to lock their airspace. Decision to cancel the memorandum with the U.S. Now the Russians in Syria will have the right to decide whether to shoot or not. Decision to shut down the phone hotline with the U.S. military. Now the U.S. won't be able to call the Russians, ask them to do or not do something. The combination of the last three decisions does not mean the Russians will shoot the next time, not by itself. They will still be restricted by their own rules of engagement and by political calculations. But this will dramatically affect the U.S. decision-making since from now on, there will be no guarantee that the Russians will not shoot either. The Russians basically own the Syrian airspace already. What they want to do next is to give a similar capability to the Syrians. Not only will that allow the Syrians to defend themselves against any future U.S. or Israeli attack, it will provide the Russians plausible deniability the day they decide to shoot down a U.S. aircraft or drone. Finally, the Russians are bringing back some of their most advanced ships toward the Syrian coast. So after giving Trump the benefit of the doubt, the Russians are now returning to an Obama Times-like posture in Syria. Bravo, Trump. Well done. Conclusion, what happens next? Simple reply, I don't know. But let me explain why, uh, why not. In all my years of training and work as a military analyst, I've always had to assume that everybody involved was what we call a rational actor. The Soviets certainly are, as were the Americans in the past. Then starting with Obama more and more often, I have had to question the assumption as the U.S. engaged in what appeared to be crazy and self-defeating actions. You tell me. How does deterrence work on a person with no self-preservation instinct, whether as a result of infinite imperial hubris, plus garden variety petty arrogance, crass ignorance, or plain stupidity? I don't know. To answer that question, what is needed is not a military analyst, but some kind of shrink specializing in delusional and suicidal types. Some readers might think this is hyperbole. I assure you that it is not. I am dead serious. Not only do I find the Trump administration not agreement capable, I find it completely detached from reality. Delusional, in other words. You think Kim Jong-un with nukes is bad? What about Obama or Trump with nukes? Ain't they much, much scarier? Number one, key points he makes. The Russians are afraid of war. The Americans are not. Two, the Russians are ready for war. The Americans are not. 
The problem is that every sign of Russian caution and every Russian attempt to de-escalate the situation, be it in the Ukraine with Turkey or in Syria, has always been interpreted by the West as a sign of weakness. This is what happens when there's a clash between a culture which places a premium on boasting and threatening and one that believes in diplomacy and negotiations. We also have the report which even appeared in the New York Times that Assad has said the videos of dead children in Syrian chemical attack were fake. Frankly, I suspect he's completely right. There's every reason to believe the white helmets are not an impartial group, but rather are engaged in propaganda. And where we, here we have Robert David Steele, a former uh, CIA member, become a whistleblower uh, on the Syrian missile attack and the chemical uh, attack that preceded it. False flag attack organized by McCain, Brandon McMaster, funded by Saudi Arabia and Israel. That sounds to me very close to the mark. Now we have the additional development that the U.S. dropped its largest non-nuclear bomb in Afghanistan. This thing is known as the mother of all bombs, or a military ordnance air blast, actually, for dispersal shortly above the ground. WikiLeaks has observed that the tunnels the U.S. was bombing in Afghanistan were built by the CIA. Needless to say, this is very much like ignoring the fact that Osama bin Laden was our man in Afghanistan, who got the Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen in order to drive the Soviets out of Afghanistan, of, uh, uh, where he was actually working for the CIA, he had the rank of colonel. Colonel Tim Osmond was actually visited in a hospital in Dubai by a CIA official shortly before his death in Afghanistan from his medical maladies on 15 December 2001. That is lost to the history books. Instead, we hear he was killed a decade later by Barack Obama, who found it politically expedient to resuscitate him uh, and to kill him again, as I have indeed reported many times. Most interesting uh, expose about what's going on here uh, in Zero Hedge, highly reliable. India claims 500 Pakistanis protecting ISIS were killed in the treasonous U.S. bombing in Afghanistan. While I don't hold great uh, credence in publications from veterans today, which which gave me the boot back in uh, 15 April 2015 when I was uh, reporting on Jade Helm 15, its editor-in-chief Gordon Doff, a former CIA, probably still, uh, didn't want me to publish on it. I did. He, he kicked me out. Uh, Gordon ran the Libya desk for the CIA for 20 years. He explained to me himself personally. Uh, according to VT, Trump used nukes where a VT is uh, rushing to the site of a nuclear bunker buster in Afghanistan to collect soil samples, witness statements, and so forth. Remember, Donald Trump has said, why have nukes if you're not going to use them? It turns out that, according to a subsequent report, <coughs> that VT was hit with a Stutnex as an electronic attack as Trump's complicity in the gas cack is, is confirmed. I'll just say those, I don't rule out that it actually was done with nukes, and if so, we'll get further confirmation. We have been using nukes in the Middle East for a very long time. Um, you know, a, a, a world-class expert on, on health and chemistry went to the Middle East in the expectation of finding that the bizarre... Uh, 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 epidemic of birth defects, major, no brains, multiple limbs, double heads, and so forth, 
have been caused by as an effect of depleted uranium, uh, but in fact discovered it was from enriched uranium from a, a whole new class of tactical nuclear weapons. Alas, I interviewed him. Here we have Patrick J. Buchanan, war cries drown out America first. Uh, why should I call China a currency manipulator when they're working with us on the North Korean problem, tweeted Don- Donald Trump on Easter Sunday. Earlier, after discovering great chemistry with Chinese President Xi Jinping over the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake at Mar-a-Lago, Trump had confided, I explained that a trade deal with the U.S. will be far better for them if they solve the North Korean problem. America first, thus takes a back seat to big plower diplomacy with Beijing. One wonders how much will Xi end up bilking us for his squeezing Kim Jong-un. Trump once seemed to understand how America had been taken to the cleaners during and after the Cold War. While allies supported us diplomatically, they piled up huge trade surpluses at our expense and became virtually free riders off the U.S. defense effort. No nations were more successful at this than South Korea and Japan. Now Xi is playing the game and perhaps playing Trump. I think that Patrick Buchanan is quite an incisive student of political affairs and foreign policy. Here we have another report from Sputnik News that Jared Kushner is causing mayhem meddling in the National Security Council where he is micromanaging. The Saker has another actually extraordinary article about this, how to bring down the elephant in the room. First, a painful but needed clarification. Basement crazies, neocons, Zionists, Israeli lobbyists, Judiacs, Jews, somewhere along this list, we bump into the proverbial elephant in the room. For some, this bumping will happen earlier in the list, for others a little later down. But the list will be more or less the same for everybody. Proper etiquette, at least in the West, would want to make us run away from the topic. I won't. Why? Well, for one thing, I'm constantly accused of not discussing this elephant. Furthermore, I am afraid that the role this elephant is playing is particularly toxic right now. So let me try to deal with this beast. But first, I have to begin with some caveats. The reason why I decided to tackle this issue today is that the forces who broke Trump in less than a month are also the very same forces who have forced him into a political 180, the neocons and the the U.S. deep state. However, I think that these two concepts can be fused into one I would call the Ziocons, basically Zionists plus some rabid Anglo-imperialist a la Cheney or McCain. These are the folks who control the U.S. corporate media, Hollywood, Congress, most of academia, etc. These are the folks who organize a ferocious assault on the nationalist or patriotic wing of Trump supporters and ousted Flynn and Bannon. And these are the folks who basically stage a color revolution against Trump. There is some pretty good evidence that the person in charge of this quiet coup is Jared Kushner, a rabid Zionist. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't really matter. What matters now is to understand what all this means for the rest of us in the basket of deplorables, the 99 percenters, basically, the rest of the planet. And he goes on to explain how different is the Israeli perception of some of these events from those of us in the United States. For example, regarding Syria, the Saker explains, Syria, <clears throat> I think that we can all agree that having the black flag of Daesh fly over Damascus would be a disaster for Israel, right? Wrong. You are thinking like a mentally sane person. This is not how the Israelis think at all. For them, Daesh is much preferable to Assad, not only because Assad is the cornerstone of a unitary Syria, but because Daesh in power 
gives the Israelis the perfect pretext to establish a security zone to protect northern Israel. And that, in plain English, means fully occupying and annexing the Golan, an old Israeli dream. Even better, the Israelis know Desh really well. They helped create it with the USA and Saudi Arabia. And they know that Desh is a mortal threat to Hezbollah. By putting Desh into power in Syria, the Israelis hope for a long, bloody, and never-ending war in Lebanon and Syria. While their northern neighbors would be plugged into maelstrom of atrocities and horrors, the Israelis would get to watch it from across their border while sending a few aircraft from time to time to bomb Hezbollah positions or even innocent civilians under whatever pretext. Remember how the Israelis watched in total delight how their forces bombed the population of Gaza in 2014? With Daesh in power in Damascus, they would get an even better show to take their kids to. Finally, and last but definitely not least, the Syrian Christians would be basically completely wiped out. For those who know the hated Judiacs and Jews have always the hatred Judiacs and Jews have always felt for Christianity even today, it will be clear why the Israelis would want Desh in power in Syria. Death is basically a tool to carve up an even bigger Zionist entity. And here, if you check out a photograph, for example, of a Trump uh, advisory meeting, I'm looking at one that has about uh, 14 members, and the, the, those who represent the interests of Israel are identified by flags and number seven, seven, seven. Have no doubt who really is in control of the United States. I'll be right back. This is the conspiracy guy. Did you know that 9-11 was an inside job and that Osama had nothing to do with it? That the Twin Towers were blown apart by a sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes? That Building 7 collapsed seven hours later? because of explosives planted in the building, that Barry Jennings was there and heard them go off and felt himself stepping over dead people. The U.S. Geological Survey conducted studies of dust gathered from 35 locations in lower Manhattan and found elements that would not have been there had this not been a nuclear event. Ironically, that means the government's own evidence contradicts the government's official position. 9-11 was brought to us compliments of the CIA, the neocons in the Department of Defense, and the Mossad. Don't let yourself be played. America nuked on 9-11. Available at moonrockbooks.com. That's moonrockbooks.com. Hi, my name's Gary King, and I've assembled the most formidable JFK team on planet Earth. We've got Dr. James Fetzer. Larry Rivera, who is the number one researcher in the world today when it comes to new research. And we've got Don Fox, who's not afraid to look a little bit deeper than anyone else. So if you're interested in what happened to the 35th president of the United States, then I invite you to our show. It's called The New JFK Show, and it's on YouTube. Go to Gary King YouTube channel, and we've got over 90 shows archived for you there. So if you really want to know the truth... And knowing that over 9 out of 10 researchers are working the other side of the street in a sea of disinformation, I pledge to you the truth about JFK. Go to Gary King YouTube channel and find out your true history. 
just as a reflection of how dramatically Trump has changed his positions, here's a list of positions he took as a candidate in comparison with those he's adopted as president. Lock her up. She's been through enough. Replace Obamacare. Obamacare can stay. China is bad for America. China is good for America. Assad should stay. Assad must go. We must respect Russia. Russia must respect us. NATO is obsolete. NATO is indispensable. No more interventions. Bomb Syria. Threaten Korea. Steve Bannon, alt-right, Gerald Kushner, neocons, America first, America world police. There's no doubt about it that something stunning has taken place. Where Jeff Rents has featured David Oates, who's an expert in voice reversal, and who has determined that utterly throughout his campaign, and up until about six weeks ago or so, Donald Trump's voice reversals were completely congruent with his, his actual statements, implying that he was being completely sincere from the heart and speaking what he believed. Now the situation is completely different, and it appears that something has happened in the meanwhile. I hesitate to speculate, but there are a certain number of options. Now we have the very strange event of the the CIA chief describing WikiLeaks as a non-state hostile intelligence service, Assange and his followers are demons. I mean, this is bizarre beyond belief. CIA director Mike Pompeo called Julian Assange and his associates demons and accused WikiLeaks of siding with the world's dictators and endangering the security of the free world with help of states like Russia. Speaking at an event organized by the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. on uh, Thursday, uh, that would have been not quite a week ago, the former Kansas congressman went on the warpath against a whistleblower website accusing its editor Julian Assange of being on the wrong side of history and seeking to harm America, freedom, and democracy. It's time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is, a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia, uh, Pompeo told the audience. The Russian propaganda outlet uh, RT actively collaborated with WikiLeaks, Pompeo added, repeating the unsubstantiated allegation by the uh, Clinton campaign from October of 2016 when RT reported on, on its daily disclosures of emails from Clinton's campaign chair, John Podesta. Assange knows nothing about American ideals, Pompeo declared, adding that had he lived in the 1930s, he would have been on the wrong side of history as he and his ilk make common cause with dictators today. Quoting, their currency is clickbait, their moral compass non-existent, Pompeo added, accusing Assange of being a narcissist, a fraud, a coward hiding behind a screen. The CIA director rejected Assange's reasoning that WikiLeaks had the right to publish documents that WikiLeaks obtained, arguing that free speech does not apply to non-Americans. Julian Assange has no First Amendment freedoms, Pompeo said. He's sitting in an embassy in London. He's not a U.S. citizen. These are not reporters doing good work to try and keep American government honest, but people actively recruiting agents to steal American secrets with the sole intent of destroying the American way of life, he added. No one has the right to actively engage in the theft of secrets for America with the intent to do it harm. This, this, this is completely bizarre. 
He confirmed it was his agency that concluded the Syrian government was responsible for the chemical weapons attack, uh, which persuaded uh, Trump to fire 60 cruise missiles at a Syrian airbase. We were good and fast, he said, and we got it right. He dismissed the statements from the Russian government questioning the U.S. narrative about the attack, saying Russia is on their sixth or seventh story, none of which have an ounce of truth to it. This is bizarre in the extreme. The the brilliant blogger, Dr. Ewan, in her Fellowship of the Minds, uh, which I've republished on my blog, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com, Trump administration turns on WikiLeaks, now called a hostile agent in collusion with Russia. Donald Trump owes WikiLeaks no small amount for his winning of the 2016 presidential election. Were it not for WikiLeaks publishing of Democrat emails, those of Hillary Clinton, Democratic National Committee, DNC, and John Podesta, the voter would not have known the corrupt pay-to-play Clinton Foundation, Hillary's illegal private email server, the DNC corruption and betrayal of Hillary's primary rival, Bernie Sanders, and the satanic practices of Podesta and Pizzagate. Throughout, Trump had been supportive and never critical of WikiLeaks. As an example, on January 4th, 2017, Trump tweeted this. Julian Assange said a 14-year-old could have hacked Podesta. Why was DNC so careless? He also said Russians did not give him the info. In a speech on October 10th, 2016, Trump declared, I love WikiLeaks, published in the New York Times. So what's going on here? Uh, and profoundly disillusioning to have an individual of such meager intellectual capabilities and, and total lack of knowledge, where we know already that the DNC emails got to Julian Assange by way of Seth Rich, IT guy for the DNC who was disillusioned about sabotaging Bernie Sanders' campaign, gave them to Craig Murray, who was a UK ambassador to Uzbekistan, friend of Julian Assange, and Assange published them for which Seth Rich paid his life, shot multiple times in the back. Julian has offered a $20,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of those responsible. Bear in mind, not a single uh, release from WikiLeaks, uh, not one of the hundreds of thousands of its releases has ever been challenged for its authenticity. And here, a nice summation comes from Paul Craig Roberts, whom I regard as our nation's leading public intellectual, a government of morons. Washington is a collection of morons, people stupid below the meaning of stupid, people so far outside of reality that they imagine that their hubris and arrogance elevates them above reality. When the first Satan too hits Washington, the greatest collection of morons in the world will cease to exist. The world will breathe a huge sigh of relief. Bring it on. Come on, morons, eliminate yourselves. The rest of us cannot wait. And, of course, Vladimir Putin has very appropriately predicted more false flight chemical attacks in, in Syria. Uh, the, the, the White House claims about the chemical, Syrian chemical attack are obviously false, reports an MIT professor. The new uh, agent attack in Khan Shekahun, Syria, a quick turnaround assessment of the White House intelligence report issued on April 11, 2017, by Theodore A. Postel, who is a, a professor at the uh, MIT, at the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and appears to know exactly what he's talking about. 
uh, dear Larry, I take it this was written to Larry Clayman, who's uh, filed suits about all these things and who's a ruthless bulldog in pursuit of truth. I'm responding to your distribution of what I understand is a White House statement claiming intelligence findings about the nerve agent attack on April 4th. 2017, in Khan Shekahum, Syria. My understanding from your note is this White House intelligence summary was released to you sometime on April 11, 2017. I have reviewed the document carefully, and I believe it can be shown without doubt that the document does not provide any evidence whatsoever that the U.S. government has concrete knowledge that the government in Syria was a source of the chemical attack at roughly 6 to 7 a.m. on April 4, 2017. In fact, a main piece of evidence is cited in the document points to an attack that was executed by individuals on the ground, not from an aircraft, on the morning of April 4. This uh, conclusion is based on an assumption by the White House when it cited the source of the sarin release and photographs of that source. My own assessment is that the source was very very likely tampered with or staged, so no serious conclusion could be made from the photographs edited by the White House. And get this, talk about insulting beyond belief. From Russia Insider, Tillerson brought a top spoke with him to Moscow. Putin was not amused. Tillerson's chief of staff knows exactly how to manufacture the appearance of Russian hacking in the U.S. election and where it's done at the CIA and Pentagon. No wonder the Russians didn't roll out the red carpet. When U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson was telling the Russians and the U.S. state press yesterday to stop hacking into American politics, sitting beside him was a former U.S. Navy signals officer and lawyer named Marguerite Peterlin. Lead image, red circle, you can see her photograph in the piece. Peterlin's job for the last two years was managing a Boston company specializing in cyber warfare weapons, including the latest in U.S. computer programs, to mimic foreign hackers and convince U.S. targets that they've been hacked by Russians. Peterlin was also an advisor to Donald Trump during the presidential transitions. Her targets then included Hillary Clinton and her campaign organization. Embarrassing beyond belief, further substantiating that the so-called Russian dossier was a fabrication and that the alleged hacking did not take place. And in fact, as I've already explained, it was a leak. There was no hacking. It was a leak. Former British ambassador to Syria, Peter Ford, let the cat out of the bag by telling the BBC on Friday, uh, worthy of replication, Chemical weapons are now more likely to be used in Syria because jihadis know a fake flag attack will trigger the U.S. attack to U.S. to attack Assad. It's not going to end here because Trump has just given the jihadis a thousand reasons to stage false flag operations. Ford said, "Seen how successful and how easy it is with a gullible media to provoke the West into intemperate reactions." And. From the Daily Mail in the UK, Putin tells the world attacking Syria again, you'll need to get through me. Russian battleship is positioned between U.S. warships and runway hit by Trump's airstrike as Vladimir makes his move. The Saker has covered that very well. But here are a few further observations. Israel rocks Syria with airstrikes overnight bypassing Russian defenses. This was published on April 13th. Israeli jets pounded targets in Damascus, Syria overnight, according to reports from Lebanon and the Jerusalem Post, escalating an already volatile situation, leading experts to claim retaliation is inevitable. 
According to Lebanese media, the targets that were hit by Israeli missiles were affiliated with the Assad government, with the regime army's third division in the Al-Qaeda suburbs of the capital. The report also claimed that the Israeli defense force struck from within Lebanon, circling the Beka Valley and Baalbek so as not to be blocked by the Russian defenses to protecting the Syrian capital from attack. Mark my words, that's not going to happen again. Uh, Saudi banks, bin Laden companies face 4.2 billion U.S. lawsuit by non-11 insurers. Remember that lawsuit? Uh, uh, so, so get this. Let that sink in. The U.S. is bombing for a country getting sued for 4 billion for the role in 9/11. 16 years after 9/11, the U.S. remains in perpetual war against a tactic, aka the war on terror. Bombing and invading the sovereign countries with the unquestioning support of corporate media. In a truly Orwellian sense, America's strongest ally in the Middle Eastern rampage is Saudi Arabia, which also happens to be the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism. I would add there, Israel and the United States actually probably take precedence. Sustaining the decades-old partnership with Saudi Arabia is essential to securing Western dominance of the Middle East, which means the U.S. supports the Sunni regime's own aggression against Shia-governed countries such as Iran and Syria. In a mutually beneficial relationship, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia uh, bomb and destabilize rival Middle Eastern countries, furthering the goal of Pax Americana spelled out in 2000. Syria represents a significant Shia stronghold and resistant to the goal of Sunni dominance in the region. Syrian regime change would be welcome news for Rihad. If Syria becomes liberated by a U.S.-led war, Iran will be the final obstacle to the dream of unfettered Western Sunni control over the Middle East. Saudi Arabia already has its Shia rivals on their knees in Yemen after intense bombing, including schools and hospitals, under the guise of fighting terror. The U.S. government and its mainstream media allies have been adept at keeping the Saudi factor hidden from public discourse, but the release of the 28 pages in 2016 detailing Saudi connections to the 9-11 attacks shed some light on this nefarious situation. As former Senator Bob Graham stated, the 28 pages primarily relate to who financed 9-11, and they point a very strong finger at Saudi Arabia being the principal financier. Indeed, the report shows that several figures in the Saudi Arabian government provided assistance to the 9-11 hijackers within the United States. I would add that uh, the uh, Scott Bennett, a former uh, Army Intel and PSYOPs officer who was framed uh, because he was turning whistleblower, sent to a low-security federal penitentiary where he was incarcerated with uh, Brad Birkenfeld, who knew all the details about the financing of 9-11, which he published in a book called Shell Game. He sent it to key leaders of the Congress uh, and, you know, had no response whatsoever. Shell Games, Scott Bennett, who now has a new show titled Shell Games on RentsRadio.com, uh, beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my own show, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday, Thursday. We're beginning next week, both his show and mine will go to two hours. Here we have another report from Anti Media. The last country we liberated from an evil dictator is now openly trading slaves. It's widely known that the U.S.-led NATO intervention to topple, topple Syria's Muammar Gaddafi in 2011 resulted in a power vacuum that has allowed terror groups like ISIS or Daesh to gain a foothold in the country. 
Despite the destructive consequences of the 2011 invasion, the West is currently taking a similar trajectory with regard to Syria. Just as the Obama administration excoriated Gaddafi in 2011, highlighting his alleged human rights abuses and insisting he must be removed from power to protect the Libyan people, the Trump administration now pointing to the repressive policies of Bashir al-Assad in Syria and wherein his regime will soon come to an end in the name of protecting Syrian civilians. But in, as the U.S. and its allies failed to produce legal grounds for the recent airstrike, let alone provide concrete evidence to back up their claim, Assad was responsible for the deadly chemical attack last week. More hazards of invading foreign countries and removing their heads of state are emerging. This, new, this week, new findings revealed another in, in unintended consequence, the growth of the human slave trade in Syria. So, I mean, the situation is unbelievable. Turns out we also know that Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, was reporting that al-Qaeda is on our side in Syria. Emails show Clinton knew U.S. work with terrorists coming out of WikiLeaks. Here's one from Jake Sullivan to Hillary Clinton, says, see last item, AQ, meaning al-Qaeda is on our side in Syria. Otherwise, things have basically turned out as expected. This email adds credence to the claims of Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who was forced to take action to stop the U.S.-ISIS collusion in Syria by proposing a bill to stop arming the terrorists. Last month, Gabbard called on President Trump to end regime change in Syria, adding that this is what's causing the refugee crisis. While some were hopeful that Trump might comply after last week, all hope appears to be lost, where he seems to be surrounded by nothing but warmongers. There's a lot, uh, uh, a new level of sophistication in trying to defend uh, those who are exposing the false flag attacks here in the United States, such as Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, and so forth. Here's a new article by a guy named Stephen Koff of, the, of Cleveland.com, Hoaxers and Fake News Claims Emerging Cleveland Facebook Killer Case. Uh, proof it's staged in under five minutes. Uh, here, here he's citing uh, a YouTube student this is a staged event, said a narrator in a video by a conspiracy theorist who posts on YouTube under the title Polarization Nation Media. He suggests the shooting used a gun firing blanks and a remote trigger on a pack of fake blood. Poor taste or worse, shocking, surprising. To the latter question, not in the least. A expert who study conspiracy websites, fake news, and what is known as false flag theories. Uh, let me add as an aside, something very like this occurred in Virginia where a reporter was supposedly interviewing a big black man walked across a crook, crook, creaky wo wooden balcony, pointed a gun right at her, which she could not have failed to see, fired point blank, no blood, totally fake. We even have photographs of her and her uh, TV guy uh, posing with their makeup on, with their makeup on. So, so anyone who thinks that it's preposterous that this could have been fake, simply isn't current with the with situation here. The article continues. Uh, is this surprising? No, because with every event, there's a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy theory is to explain it's nothing new, says Joseph Yusinki, University of Miami professor, writes exclusively about conspiracy beliefs and how they spread. We should not be shocked by it. Lenny Posner is not surprised either. It is not stoppable, he said, of the false conspiracies he should know. Posner's son Noah was one of 20 children killed along with six adults in the 2012 mass shooting at San Diego Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Conspiracy theorists said the massacre by a single gunman was staged and some went so far as to taunt and harass grieving parents. 
Well, now we have 60 minutes returning to Newtown uh, to interview the, the families of the victims and create a legacy foundation to honor their murdered loved ones. Uh, what we learned about grief from Sandy Hook parents, 60 Minutes, Scott Pelly reflects on what he learned from Newtown parents whose kids were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School years ago. But this is embarrassing. When this ap- appeared, I, I published the following note. This is embarrassing beyond belief. David Wheeler and his wife Francine are B-grade actors who pretended to be the parents of a child who is purported to have died at Sandy Hook. Not only did no one die at Sandy Hook, which was a two-day FEMA drill presented as if it had been a live event to promote gun control, but David Wheeler played two roles at Sandy Hook, that of a grieving father and that of a SWAT team member, where he absurdly carried his weapon upside down by the magazine. You have to see it to believe it. Check this out. And if you want to see how they fake the kids, check out Sandy Hook charade. Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child, where they used photos of his alleged older stepbrother to create the fictional victim of the Sandy Hook shooting. For more, see The Real Deal Sandy Hook Update YouTube and Sandy Hook starring Wayne Carver as the Medical Examiner YouTube. You are in for a shock. Or if you want the full story laid out in detail with massive documentation, Obtain a copy of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook 2015, which has 15 contributors, including six current or retired college professors. The school had been closed by 2008, and there were no students there. Amazon.com banned the book because it was too explosive, so I released it for free as a PDF. Search for it on the Internet. It's waiting for you. So 60 Minutes is going to perpetuate the fraud? Disgusting. One more example of fake news from the mainstream media. Link. Go to rents.com and just do a search on Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. You'll get the PDF for free. And we have demonstrated conclusively in the blog, Sandy Hook Charade, Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child, that, that they use these photographs. We have proven it there. Now we have newly released FBI interview that claims the FBI contacted the Boston bombers before the attack. We have an update of an earlier article in Truth uh, uh, Truth and Shadows, a wonderful website uh, entitled False Flag Theater. Boston bombing involves clearly staged carnage, no doubt about it. They used amputee actors. Paul Craig Roberts has published The Boston Bombing After Four Years, which I republished on my blog, embedding links to Sheila Casey's wonderful article, which is also in the book, and nobody died in Boston either, uh, which you can obtain, like the second edition of the Sandy Hook book from moonrockbooks.com. Here's another anniversary just passed on April 17th, uh, 1961. We had the uh, 56th observance of the Bay of Pigs invasion against Castro. I, I just mentioned in passing that the the CIA had already learned that the Soviets knew the date of the invasion, which they shared with Castro. He knew we were coming. Uh, uh, all the key parties knew, except for the president of the United States, who was deliberately kept in the dark. Uh, here we have another report. CIA records reveal agencies spied on the 1973 Hollywood film Executive Action and its creators. Executive Action 1973 starring Burt Lancaster, Robert Ryan, and Will Greer, perhaps the most famous conspiracy thrill about John Kennedy assassinate, except for Oliver Stone's JFK. Uh, recent release records show they were keeping an eye on the production, how it was being received, and, of course, 
uh, there were massive attacks being conducted uh, also on Oliver Stone, even before the film was out. There's a brilliant book about it, JFK, the book of the, and the, uh, of the film, which includes a hundred of the commentaries that were published. Uh, but there's more going on here. We have, uh, in particular, uh, from uh, uh, mind Reflections of Mind Brain. It's official. European Scientific Journal concludes 9-11 was a controlled demolition. Fifteen years after the attacks of September 11th, the European Scientific Journal, a publication of the European Scientific Institute, published an article entitled 15 Years Later on the Physics of High-Rise Building Collapses, in which they analyzed the collapse of all three World Trade Center buildings. I must add that this was actually published on October 15th, 2016, but has just been brought to my attention. The results of their findings continue to indicate that the WTC towers were destroyed by controlled demolition, and the fact that this controversial topic was covered by a publication that boasts an editorial committee from reputable colleges and universities around the world, despite the article's disclaimer, can be considered yet another small victory for 9-11 truth. The study was written in collaboration with Steve Jones of Brigham Young University, now retired, Robert Kroll of McMaster University, a mechanical design engineer in the aerospace industry, Anthony Zambodi, who happens to be an engineer, and Tim Walter, also of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. The highly sourced study breaks down the scientific evidence while revealing the discrepancies in NIST's official report, and we suggest our readers, especially as skeptics, read it in its entirety, they also cite an article by John Skilling, a key member of the engineering firm that built the towers, quoting, We looked at every possible thing we could think of that could happen to the buildings, even to the extent of an airplane hitting the side. However, back in those days, people didn't think about terrorists very much, he continued. Our analysis indicated the biggest problem would be the fact that all the fuel from the plane would dump into the building. There'd be a horrendous fire. A lot of people would be killed. The building structure would still be there. However, I'm not saying that properly applied explosives, shaped explosives of that magnitude could not do a tremendous amount of damage. I would imagine that if you took the top expert in that type of work and gave him the assignment of bringing those buildings down with explosives, I would bet he could do it. Uh, in other words, Skilling believed the only mechanism could bring down the Twin Towers was controlled demolition. I just point out this wasn't a classic controlled demolition uh, this was a demolition under control. Compare it with Building 7, classic controlled demolition. All the floors coming out at the same time. A pile of debris equal to 12% of the height of the original 47 floors or five and a half floors. Unlike the Twin Towers, are not blowing apart from the top down in every direction, not being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust. And of course, startlingly enough, there was no massive pile of debris which should have equaled 13 and a half to 14 stories for either of the Twin Towers. Uh, I've explained how it was done, why they had to devise an ingenious technique. In the book, America nuked on 9-11 because, yes, and here we have uh, multiple experts once again, uh, I believe, uh, you know, a dozen or 15 experts discussing every aspect of 9-11. Really, if you want to know what happened, you don't want to miss it. Here's another very interesting aside uh, reported by CNN. Spicer apologizes for Hitler comparison. It was a mistake to do that. CNN. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer apologized Tuesday after saying Hitler, not even Hitler, sank to using chemical weapons during World War II. In an effort to shame 
Russia's alliance with Syrian President Bashir al-Assad on the use of chemical weapons. The comment was immediately decried after a series of attempts to clean up his words. Spicer apologized. And of course, it's because he's allegedly overlooking the use of uh, Zykon B to gas inmates at the concentration camps in Germany. Uh, it turns out, however, those of us who have actually done the research know that the the whole thing was an uh, 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 elaborate uh, piece of disinformation that these were actually uh, work camps, labor camps, and you can't get work out of a corpse. As I've reported uh, multiple places, the International Committee of the Red Cross, which visited the camps and kept meticulous records of the identities of those who died in their cause of death, uh, concluded in 1993 for all the camps, 2,096,081 ,000, combined. No one reported to have been put to death by gas in gas chambers. Uh, even rounding up to an even 600,000 victims, gypsies, Jews, and the mentally and physically infirm, the empirical evidence thus contradicts the contention that 6 million Jews were put to death uh, and thereby falsifies that hypothesis. To go deeper, check out the Zundel trials. Ernst, uh, Robert Florissant kept records where in the, uh, they happened in 1985-1988. The Luchter report, Frank Luchter, who was an expert on gas chambers, traveled to Europe to study the camps and came back to report. Uh, a 192-page report, including appendices, 32 samples, from the crematories of Auschwitz and Birkenau, site of homicidal gassings and gas disinfection chamber. His conclusion was simple. There had never been any homicidal gassings at Auschwitz, Birkenau, or, or Manzitek. I think the ultimate we have to confront, Amazon has banned my book and nobody, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, uh, also published in 2015 because it has four chapters expressing skepticism about the Holocaust, They've also shredded and incinerated thousands of books. I think we're learning here what Voltaire observed long ago. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Thank you all for listening. Inside job and that Osama had nothing to do with it? That the Twin Towers were blown apart by a sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes? That Building 7 collapsed seven hours later because of explosives planted in the building? That Barry Jennings was there and heard them go off and felt himself stepping over dead people? The U.S. Geological Survey conducted studies of dust gathered from 35 locations in lower Manhattan and found elements that would not have been there had this not been a nuclear event. Ironically, that means the government's own evidence contradicts the government's official position. 9-11 was brought to us compliments of the CIA, the neocons in the Department of Defense, and the Mossad. Don't let yourself be played. America nuked on 9-11. If you're interested in America nuked on 9-11, contact me personally. My name's Gary King at Patriot Radio Books. PatriotRadioBooks.com did you know that Sandy Hook was a staged event where no children died? That the school had been closed since 2008 and there were no children there? Thirteen experts, including six Ph.D., current or retired college professors, proved that it was a two-day FEMA drill presented to the public as a real event. We even have the manual. 
There was a rehearsal on the 13th, going live on the 14th. Some participants became confused and put up donation sites the day before. Even the shooter was recorded as dying before the event. You have been played by Eric Holder and Barack Obama to confiscate your guns. Don't let yourself be played. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. If you're interested in the book described by Dr. James H. Fetzer, then contact me. My name is Gary King. I live in New Orleans, and my number is 504-298-6791 if you'd like to come by the bookstore, or you can go online at patriotradiobooks.com. That's patriotradiobooks.com.